How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Huh? So it's just it's warming. It just makes my kind of and it's Mark's day. Yes. Again, I want to say hello to our Sunday morning listeners, hello, Dr. Sunday Joe. Mornings. Enjoying your coffee, listening to a little football. Yeah, we're gonna have football tonight in anticipation of your Sunday football afternoon. That's right. That's but, right. But it's a we've got we got a lot to talk about tonight. We do, and we have some tremendous guests in the studio here, tremendous. Dr. Joe. Tremendous. Can I introduce them? I would be honored if you would. Okay. To my right, I have Martinson Elementary School and Marshfield High School freshman football head coach, Mar- Martinson Elementary School vice principal, and former teacher at Martinson that I credit turning the light on to my eldest boy. Really? Yeah, he was his fourth grade teacher. Really? And was. he could not care less about school. In well, I, I cared less about school. Yeah, yeah I, I, I wasn't exactly <laughs> sure I'm talking about my son. About. I'm talking about my son. Danny, if you're listening, you didn't care in the first through third. And then uh, Mr. Dunn here, Jeff Dunn to my right was his teacher and Turned the light on, and now he's just soaring education. I turned the screws and then turned the light on. Yeah. Thanks for having nice me, Mr. Dunn. So we have Jeff Dunn, football coach and educator. And to his right, we have Marshfield resident, serial volunteer, <laughs> wonderful family man, and current president of Marshfield Youth Football, the tackle program. And his name is none other than Tom Dalton. Hello, Tom. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks Welcome. for having me. Very Welcome. Nice. Thank you. Very nice. Okay. So what are okay. we talking about tonight, Mark? We're going to talk about football. We're going to talk a little bit about the past. We're going to talk a little bit about the present. But more importantly, we are going to look in our crystal ball, and we are going to take a snapshot of what football is going to look like in five years, 10 years, and as far out as 20 years. Okay? Now... Dr. Joe, we've told people many times this is an opinion show. Yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> so there is no there is no fact about what we're about to no. talk about tonight, but this is what we think. And in my opinion, I've got two of the thought leaders in football in our region, at least yep. right now. And uh, some of the things that they've done and what they've seen and what they're doing with the game, I thought it'd be great to have them in the studio to talk through this. It's great. Yeah. So we're so are we at the ten yard line now on this, or where are we in terms of football? Are we, are we at the fifty yard line in terms of? Well, let's back up. So what what, what are we thinking? talking about football? Yeah, so let's are go. we talking NFL? Or are we going to talk about kids? I'd like to talk about kids first, if there. we can. So Tom. Yes, sir. He is the president of Marshfield Youth Football. That is that is correct. My wife would not like me to keep that title if she's listening. I <laughs> well, we're you. gonna we're gonna keep it that way for a little <laughs> while until we get this whole thing figured out. Absolutely, All that's right? that's that's why we're doing it still. And what Tom has done is he has introduced a whole new dynamic to youth football. Tom, can you tell us a little bit about rookie ball? Well, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, Mark. This started all with me and you uh, in a Dunkin' Donuts. You know, we talked about um, where things had been and where they could be and get better. And it, uh, as a football guy, for me, it was starting to really become apparent that we had to try and do something different and try to be, you know, bold and shake things up a little bit because there was a 
Well, let's be honest. There's a thing about kids that there's just so much going on with kids. You know, I have three kids, two in college, one on his way. And gosh, I don't know if they were that busy when they were little. This generation of kids seems to be busy, 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 busy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a specialized view of the world with sports in general. So if you're playing lacrosse, you're thinking you got to play lacrosse 24-7, 12 months a year. It can be done. And that's kind of a maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Again, opinion. Don't know. So I go back to what Mark and I said. Kids are busy. Lift different options, especially little little kids. And you got to make something that's appealing. And uh, quite honestly, when I saw Mark and he showed me what they do at Marshville Flag, uh, I realized, you know what? It's a lot of fun. And this sport that we're talking about tonight, if you don't make it fun at any level, you're going to lose kids. And my hat's off to Mark and I because we said, let's make it fun and let's make options. So we tried to get together with this rookie tackle idea, which gets the best of both worlds so young kids can learn the game, learn the tackle aspect of it in a controlled environment. And we can get into more details, Mark, if you want. Yeah, yeah I'd like to hear that. But just as a broad stroke, this was one way of getting kids to not have to put 24-7 into it when you're 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 years old, but to learn the skills in a controlled environment where it's going to be safer <clears throat> And then down the road, they'll still enjoy the game. So so the challenge was how do we attract kids away from all the other different things that they could be doing? Yeah. So so the, way, the reason Tom and I initially met is seven years ago, I launched flag football in Marshfield. And Tom was always very influential with tackle and uh, very forward-thinking, very open-minded about our program coming in because the reason that the flag football program came in was for options. Right. A second grader and third grader aren't going to be the ones that get to make the decision as to whether or not they're going to play tackle football. Right. That's the family that's going to make that decision. What grade a child is going to start playing tackle, if at all, would be the decision of the parents. So I had seen it done successfully at the Y, the YMCA in Hanover. And I said to my friend Dante Damasa, also a, a Marshfield resident, Dante, if you're listening, great job. Hats off to you, brother. But we launched that in 2012 to the dismay of some uh, large number of tackle football families, but not Tom. Tom was always very open to what we were doing and understood it, while his son, Danny, who's now at Penn State playing football, was on the rise through the tackle football program, but Tom was always very open to what we were doing. So we started talking very early on about how to try to bring some sense to youth football. Like, how can we create a hybrid type of program that will allow parents to feel comfortable with the safety aspect, allow kids to play a tackle type of football game? And then Tom brought last year the program through USA Football, which they're launching called Rookie Ball which has modified the rules a bit, if you would, Tom. I mean, what it is is almost like a scrimmage type of environment. There's not the uh, summer commitment. There's not the special teams, which we're going to talk about going forward, I think, is part of what the future entails for tackle football across the board. But it has allowed young kids to get a taste of the tackle football without really engaging in the time commitment the family commitment, as well as it mitigates a lot of the dangers of the game, too. Right. I mean, I would just add one other thing to that, Mark, while we talk about it. It's, it, it's also about the, the learning and development, right? So if you think about it, I'll give you the example. 
And if folks are from the, the conference, we play in, in this in this town for youth. It's called Old Column Youth Football. And I like the conference for a lot of reasons, but most specifically, you have a chance to have kids play Saturday and Sunday. Now, it sounds like you're going to have a pretty busy weekend as a parent, right? But in the other programs that I'm also used to from New Jersey, where I'm from, is called Pop Warner. That particular program only allows one game a weekend. And imagine you're the coach and you've got 47, 48 kids on your roster. you got to find a way to get, and by the way, that particular type of football as a thing called a roster game. You have to get every player in for 10 plays a game. Well, if you're one of those young men that's not one of the better players, you're going in for a special team here, a special team there. You have to have 10 plays, and they have a guy over your shoulder marking that off. Now, is that really teaching a kid how to play the game and have fun and develop them? Because... <coughs> Your pressure is to get all these kids into the game and win and try to develop and win, right? Mm. So this conference we have here in Boston is great, uh, and it's, it's a wonderful cut. It's one of the best in New England. And you have a Saturday and Sunday game. The reason why I bring that up is on Saturdays you have younger, let's take these seven, eight-year-olds that are playing on a Saturday game, and you're rushing them through the game because there's no, you know, you try to have not as many timeouts. You're trying to develop them, but it's a push. And sometimes at that age, again, five, six, seven, eight, it's a scrum, and you're just – its the development side of that can be um, challenging. So this now, as I look forward, and a shout-out tonight to uh, to one of my, my guys out in Pembroke, Doug Falk, who Doug is the president of Pembroke football. We got together this summer and said we want to try, try and build the airplane in the air. We'll figure it out as we go. We have a guide from USA Football to do this. We had a way to, we saw other towns that did it in the country. And the point is, he and I said, you know, this could really talk about the future. On Saturdays, we could do this thing for these seven, eight-year-olds. They'll get better development. On, and they call it a Saturday game. It's like a JV game, you can call it. But I like to call it Saturdays. Then on Sundays, those other players that are playing are going to develop at a different rate. But it's not like it's a mismatch on Saturdays for these young kids that are just falling all over the place. And there's 11 on 11, and it just doesn't look doesn't even look right. You can do this in place, and I guarantee you, you'll have better development out down the road, better skills, and you'll it'll be a safer and a better technique-driven product. I think a big thing there, too, is what Mark was saying. The parents are making the decision. I've already talked to some parents who were excited about this new program, and they weren't against all-in on tackle football, but they were maybe against ending their summer on August 1st. <laughs> right. They were, they were maybe against having their third or fourth grade son who loves football and plays flag and has been begging to play tackle, but the mom or dad kind of know that might not be for them. The mom and dad know it, but the kid doesn't know it, and they don't want him quitting on August 14th because right. you, you sign up for something, you want to finish it. And I've, I've talked to a bunch of guys who are like, this has been awesome because they get to see behind the curtain a little bit. Right. What Jeff brought up was what always rings true to me is in flag football, a lot of the families joined thinking, okay, I have this artificial Mendoza line, if you will, that my kid is not going to play tackle football until 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade, whatever that number is. They, I'm going to let them play, but I'm not going to let them play until. And what we've noticed in flag is that a lot of kids show a level of aggression that their parents didn't expect to see. They start seeing them running downhill, if you will. They see them kind of putting their shoulders down and doing really aggressive uh, maneuvering. So that Mendoza line, that artificial line, starts to creep down a little bit. And they say, well, maybe... Maybe Joey is ready to play tackle football, and he doesn't stop talking about it. Maybe he is ready. This program that Tom has put together is that hybrid that really allows the parents to dip their toes in the water and see, okay, he looked pretty aggressive with the flags on, but now what's he doing? And now they see that they're actually making good contact, and uh, they're being taught the proper technique. So 
now you're telling me that there's this this new form of football. I, I got to hear more about this. Give it up, Tom. So um, look at the USA football history. You know, USA football came up with the heads-up tackling technique, which is new. We'll talk about that. And so on the heels of that, um, this rookie tackle program was instituted this year. There's 35 cities in the country, all around, Texas, Ohio, New York. The premise is what we said about before. How many players in the field at that level can succeed in a larger format? Think about this. Hockey. Now, I've got hockey. I'm a hockey dad, too, in my, old, uh, in my other days, um, my youngest. You don't start on the big ice. You start on a little mini ice. Anybody out there knows Hingham, the skinny ice in the middle. That's where the little guys go. Mm-hmm. You go side to side. You do not have checking. Think about baseball. You don't go right to pitch, right? You start with t-ball, coach pitch. You're doing modified. Everything's modified. Basketball's the same way. Right. You're going three side three, to side. Half court. Coaches are on the right. court. Smaller hoops. Right. So why in football do you throw kids right in there 11 on 11, expect them to succeed on a 100-yard field? It, for some reason, I guess it took a while for everyone to figure out there's a better way. They, they certainly still do that, I think, with soccer, don't they? I mean, I've, I've seen soccer. Mm. I mean, my kids played soccer, and you had 11 kids uh, sort of going as one herd after the ball. Oh, you mean they, the bumblebee they've, sport? They've adjusted right? that entirely. They have. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, kids are it, <laughs> so goes, yeah. it goes six on six, seven. I mean, it builds really? a little until they middle school. You're playing a smaller goal. It makes so much sense. Yep. Right. So on this scenario, and again, there's no... Like we were saying before, when's the right time to have a kid play? Does anybody really have the answer? No, we're all figuring this out as we go. This scenario, it's a 50-yard field. So just think about it. You take a football field, split it in half. Bring the side margins in. So you're going from the, uh, the boundary to maybe the hash on the wide side. You're 35 to 40 yards wide, 50 yards deep. You're not going to have special teams, which Mark touched on before. Why do you need seven, eight-year-olds to be kicking off and going back. It's a nightmare. As a coach, I've coached for 20 years. That age, it's not helping anybody. It's only going to hurt. So eliminate that. Now, less players, better activity on the field to be able to watch, coach, and teach and, and improve. Seven players are what they're using. So seven, when you hear seven, you think of seven on seven flag. People out there, this isn't that concept. It's tackle. But it's seven players, so you have three on the line, a quarterback, a re- two receivers, and a running back. And you can modify it, but you have seven. You could go to eight. In fact, um, Doug Falk, who I mentioned in Pembroke, called the guy in New York. He found him online. They did seven for a couple weeks, then they went to eight. They were adjusting as they went. But the, the purpose is teach a kid to run outside the tackle box or inside the tackle box. Have him follow a hole. I mean, that's what – have you ever seen a Mites football game, eight, eight-year-olds running? Pitch right, pitch left. <laughs> if you can sweep, you win, right? And if you can't – beat the sweep you lose so start teaching and gosh forbid throw a ball right throwing a ball with 11 kids in the field good luck right so now we're starting that kind of a skill and as these guys know as coaches in football tackling is important to do the right way well if you're just tackling in a a vacuum with a bunch of kids this will teach kids as we saw already in three weeks with it how to open field and and gain angles and learn and understand where to hit and where to aim correctly with their body. I mean, it was it was clear as night to me to see you just you lessen the confusion, you keep it focused on less players, and you get better outcomes. Um, so and then everything else is the same except you know just you modify the game in such that you have two teams playing at the same time. So you got you got more kids touching the ball. You got t- seven seven. You got twenty eight kids now, going two different ways. You got more kids involved. More kids getting an enjoyment and touching the football, and that's what you. And no kid is one thing. So I tell all the kids. So they rotate. They rotate. If you if you didn't like linebacker, you got to do it once. It's like a vegetable. If you didn't like broccoli, you got to try it at least once. All right, and then I'll let you have carrots. You know, then be alignment or uh, you know rotate. 
as opposed to a big kid showing up on August 6th and sit, being told, you're a lineman, right. and you're going to be a lineman for the foreseeable future, right? Right. That's good. So they get to move around and kind of experience other things, but maybe you throw the ball, run the ball, and do other things that they might not otherwise do on a traditional tackle football team. Well, Mark, you mentioned it before. I, you know, I don't, I don't speak about uh, you know that as a father, but you know the the guy out at Western Pennsylvania right now. He he was a nose guard. He was a guard. He was a tackle. He did everything going up the ranks until he became what he was when he grew into his position. Because you aren't what you are at eight years old in football. If it if it is, man, that's a that's a sad story. You better hope it's not the end for your career. And I, I've experienced that coaching freshmen. You get kids that were whatever they were in sixth grade, and they did that through middle school. And then we start the, the first week of practice, try something new. Mm-hmm. I don't tell them that you were this and you're going to stay stay that way. And the excitement for a kid that had always been a lineman, right. wait, I can I can try tight end? Sure. Or quarterback. Right. Try what you want. Then I'll tell you in a week what to do. Right. Then we'll but find out where nice you're really try suitable. It out. So then to answer, Joe, at the end of the day, we had four or five other towns in the league that were very, very interested. They came and watched. You know, so I think at this point going forward, talk about the future. Next year, this was a hybrid between us and Pembroke to try it out. We got all thumbs up and good reviews. We're going to go next year with at least three or four towns, and then we're going to have a more formal round table. You know, where we play back and forth in the week uh, on on various days of the week, um, without you know making it too much of a commitment. And then we'll keep doing it once or twice. You know, here in town for scrimmage, and hopefully by the end of the year, we continue to keep adjusting, improving. And what kind of feedback are you getting back from from the kids, from the families? I, I can tell you that uh, it was it beat my expectations completely. Um, knock on wood, we had great weather. I did hold my breath on the first night back at our place. I saw a little guy on the field. I wasn't sure if it was a blue or a green jersey. Didn't matter. I didn't want anything to have a bad experience. He just uh, he got tired. <laughs> he popped up because he fell. He he just kind of got winded because he ran a long way. Um, but he hadn't had a helmet on before. You know, and to, to Mark's point, if kids are going to start flowing over in the sixth or seventh grade and they haven't even tried the sport out, it's going to delay a lot more of their activity levels of being uh, to improve themselves. So if you can do it, piecemeal it the right way, you're better. So the the feedback has been outstanding. Is this boys, girls, both boys and girls? Well, we, we opened it up to anyone. Um, okay. And we were trying to, especially as Mark said, to have anyone from the flag program that was interested to try this thing out to come over and cross over. I know the Pembroke team had two girls on it. And they were, like I think, in, we had second, third, and fourth graders. There was definitely a third or and a fourth grader from their team. So we're open for business. I can give you some feedback for as, a, as an elementary school Great. person, seeing kids at lunch tell me every day I walk by them, we have our first game this week. We have a first game. And, you know, I know who does what and which kids play lacrosse or soccer or football. And I knew they weren't football. They weren't tackle football players. They were telling me they were, though. And as you know, kids tell stories once in a while. And I just kind of smiled. And then I saw one of their dads out and about. And I asked him about it. And then he told me the whole story that you just you just told a minute ago. The excitement that they had leading up to it. And then the excitement that they told me the whole story about their first game and how amazing it was. Was, was really cool to see. And the dads, again, the feedback's been amazing. Regarding guys that know football, like Tom, they, they, they saw the way your te- they get to block and tackle in that first, in that first game, in that, or scrimmage, whatever it's exactly called. You know, when we talk at the high school, when we're game planning, at the end of every practice, every game, we always kind of say to the kids, it all comes to block, down to blocking and tackling anyway. And it really does. It does. So they need to get that down at an early age. It comes down to blocking and tackling. In life. In, in life. In life. I, I, football. Life. Life. Is I, I just love this. And tackling. You know, I mean, th- you're not going to hear me say a bad thing about this game. This is, a, this is a game that's been near and dear to my heart for a very long time. But the safety of the game 
is is really important. And I think that's really uh, come to light only recently. But Tom, USA football is doing a lot about the heads up tackling. I know the Seahawks have created a new way of tackling. Can you can you explain just briefly what the uh, USA football is doing and what Marshfield is doing to follow suit? But right. Wait, okay. for, what, what does this mean, heads up tackling? Oh, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a pretty interesting Keep concept, alert. right? I mean, Gotta so what Mark said is... head, Dr. Joe. Yeah, I, Take the head out. Because we can talk about that in a minute, We too. can talk about that. Well, so... You, I want you to answer that question, yeah, yeah. but just to give you the background, as as people who played football as as kids with amazing football coaches, we were probably taught one of two ways. Either make sure you get your head in front mm-hmm. of the ball carrier right. or or get your face mask in its chest. Hmm. That's not taught at all by anybody. <laughs> Eat the football. Anywhere. Exactly. Anymore. <laughs> right. Except for someone maybe holding on to it. Right. And so and, now it's different. And just the one quick shout-out. I just got it. You just reminded me, uh, Jeff. It, it, the thing about those little guys when they were going, to, hopefully, to school that day, I had them wear their Ram shirt, and they wore their Ram shirt to middle, uh, elementary school. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I said, hey, during the week when they're part of the flag program, they might be a Falcon or a Raider or a uh, Viking because that's you know the NFL experience they get. I said, but on one night a week, we're going to be a Ram. And I'm not from around here, but I believe in community spirit. And if they want to be a Ram now... They'll hopefully want to be a Ram if they keep playing any sport down the road. Mm-hmm. So anyway, little pitch for the Rams. No, I, I love that. Go Rams. Go Rams. Go Rams. Yeah, so the we'll take it in two parts, and I'll let Jeff talk it from the uh, freshman coaching level as well. So Ram, Heads Up Tackling. Heads Up is a great organization that just has all different things about hydration and concussion awareness and so protocols around all those things for coaches, for players, for parents, so everyone's on the same page. They instituted a thing called Heads Up, and it kind of sounds just like we were saying before, taking the head out of the tackle. If you can teach these things at a level as a coach the best you can at a youth, at a high school, college level, in the instant that they have to make this decision on the field in split seconds, hopefully when you ingrain all these things, hey, you got to make a tackle. They're going to go after feet and a shoestring tackle, we call it. They're going to do what they need to. But in the majority of cases, they'll feel that it's the right thing to do. Again, our day, 80s, at least for me, I'm the old guy, I think, up here. You know, (laughs) I was 80s. (laughs) You're going around the body. Think about it. You're going around the body and grabbing, and your head is naturally going to be going down, and the crown of your helmet would be naturally going down, and you'd be going across the body. Your Your head and your helmet, no matter how you cut it, is involved with this collision. Heads up, you just think about taking two uppercuts. We call it double uppercuts. So now you're taking like a, a boxer going underneath like you're curling a weight. And now your hands your hands aren't going around. They're going up. And as your, head, your hands go up, your helmet and your face back is now going and aiming at the inside hip or hip or peck. Okay, and you're using more of your shoulder for the brunt of the blow. And you're grabbing cloth or grabbing jersey on the backside with your hands. So rather than going around where your head naturally goes down, you're going up, double uppercuts, and your head now bulls. And one of the coaches I saw at a clinic had a great line. He called, you know, um, hot feet, meaning get your feet going, belly to belly, right, and eyes to the sky. Easy to remember, eyes to the sky. Now you're bulling your neck. We call it bulling. Your head's going back on the back of your helmet uh, to your shoulder pads, and your eyes are to the sky. And that's how you make your hit. And that should, you know, in a technical perspective, prevent most things from kind of happening. You know, is there ever a concussion-proof anything or a helmet or head injury-proof style in the throes of a game? No. But that's what you teach, and that's how you look at it. I'll do the other part and then give it to Jeff, and that's the 
Ram tackle, uh, Pete Carroll, ex-New England coach, I think. Yeah. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Back in the day. USC. Uh, okay. Um, but he, he came up with Hawk tackling, Seahawk tackling. He's a defensive specialist, coordinator, head coach of the Hawks, Seahawks, and it's about using your head now to take less of the impact of your shoulder and a rugby st- kind of style of bringing the player down to the ground and, again, tracking the inside portion of the player so you can use the outbound boundary as your helper if he's going away from you. And if he cuts back on the inside, you're tracking the inside hip or the inside shoulder that you're attacking. I'll let Jeff kind of take it from there. Yeah, so th- we were saying earlier how you know this is starting at the youth level. The good news is the coach of the... You know, over the past 10 years, the best defense in the NFL and the, the the team that's known as the best tackling team is kind of what we're copying. So that's a good thing. So basically, it used to be when we were playing football as young bucks that we our head would be in front of the ball carrier. So if we weren't taking them head on, our head would be in front, and that would be the thing that's going to stop the ball carrier. Now, with the hawk tackle, we are tracking the hip. And we teach a hawk tackle. We teach a hawk roll tackle. There's all variations of it. And it works. I mean, and if you, if, if anybody listening wants to look this up, you do a Google search on Pete Carroll Hawk Tackle. There's a million YouTube videos, and mm-hmm. it's all out there for, well, for what, anybody. What does this mean, tracking the hip? Track. So if if someone's running down the field, um, it's kind of like in basketball. If someone's if you if you're playing defense in basketball, you know they can move their arms, their legs, they can juke all over the place. But if you just watch their belly button, that's not going anywhere. Right. So with with football, when you're tracking the hip, you're you're watching the hip that you're looking at of the ball carry, nothing else matters, and then that shoulder will just be buried into the hip as opposed to the head being buried into the hip. Right. It's like you're aiming into yeah. a sense. And we were joking before off air, again, for those of us from that era, you didn't really get tackling training. There, there was no such thing in the 80s. You just got your stuff on, tackle. Now we're actually asking kids, like on the rookie tackle, one of my biggest questions uh, those nights were, where did you aim? And the kids will come back to me with this face because I've already told them, right. aim for the inside hip or aim for the inside shoulder. And when they miss a tackle, it's kind of fun to say, hey, where did you aim? And they'll look at me with this face and they'll pretend to give me an answer. And I said, ah, you weren't aiming anywhere. <laughs> but you get that start to repeat in their minds. I'm, I believe in this that you'll start to have memory repetition mm-hmm. and it'll translate to physical repetition. So, so as a coach, a coach is an educator. And I'm, I'm kind of doing both, but it's funny when you talk to people about this, pretty much everyone's going to buy into it. They want the game to, to last, but we always go back to the way we learn things, which, which <laughs> I kind of relate to the way we teach math nowadays. If, if you look on Facebook, if you talk to a, a, a friend, you talk to, we just had parent-teacher conferences, the biggest question still, even though we've been doing this for eight years now, oh, I can't figure out the way you're teaching math. It's a whole, <laughs> and, and I always remind everybody, whether they're, whether they're someone that doesn't use math a whole lot in their job or they're a high-end engineer, um, no one can argue that what we've been doing in America teaching math-wise has been a raging success because that's that, that that's kind of a, a big area that we're falling behind in. But even teachers had a hard time transitioning to doing it a different way because you've been doing it the same way your whole life. It's the same way with coaching, tackling. You ha- you have to just say, erase your brain and what you used to do and say, this is going to work better because what we were doing clearly wasn't working as well as you wanted it to. Well, it was working, right? But it was potentially... Well, for the la- long-lasting part of the game. There was some injury involved yeah. with it, right? right? Yeah. So we can talk about that now, too. Yeah. So are we seeing, are there less injuries now with this heads up? I think that's, I'll just say, I think that's a little bit arbitrary in terms of what the 
you know, I looked at the, again, I get to see all the um, feedback from the teams from sec third grade to eighth this past year, for example. One team had a, a higher number of injuries than before, and, and it was not because of lack of good coaching. They had a couple of kids that were just, you know, were just injury-proof. I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you this part. I went to a clinic once in Texas. There was guys from a company, I won't say the name of a different helmet, which I'll never allow anyone in my organization ever have, promoting concussion-proof helmets. He was talking about concussion-proof helmets to parents and people out there, and he was a sponsor of this program I was at, and I nearly lost. Well, I did lose it. And I, I was like, Are you, you got to be kidding me. And they just want to you know, say the, everything was becoming hot about concussion-proof or injury-proof. There is no such thing. The things we're talking about are going to get us as far across the goal line as we can get. And after that, it's going to be a little bit about bad luck, unfortunate parts of contact sports. Right. And I, I have to feel that you could have a great team that's all done well, and then freak things can happen. Right. So the reality of it is, and, and I don't think anyone can deny it, it's a, it's a violent game. Yeah. It's probably the most violent game that's still played at least at the youth level. And, it's, and it can be dangerous, but there are, there are ways to make it less dangerous, which is what we're talking about now. And, and Jeff, before uh, we talked, you were, you were telling me about some of the things that the Ivy Leagues are right. starting so to do. So I was actually going to answer your question about are there less injuries. Um, I think there are less injuries because uh, football coaches are spending their time coaching how to tackle, but not really tackling each other. They're tackling dummies and they're breaking things down, again, piece by piece by piece, building it up. So as Tom was talking about muscle memory in a game, things are going to work. So I went to a clinic this past winter and the uh, defensive coordinator from Dartmouth was there. And he was this, I'm going to guess he was 60, but he was jacked, this, this just football guy, as intense of a guy. And his clinic was how to build a linebacker. And he was... He was yelling and screaming for a good hour, like like just like you would think like a, a Newt Rockney type guy would be. <laughs> Anybody that went up there and volunteered with him, they got right. physical. Hands on. Hands on. <laughs> and it was like a wow kind of deal. And he was, in the process of this, he was selling the fact that they have not tackled a human in practice at Dartmouth in nine years. Hmm. And the Ivy League, I guess this is year two, they just finished doing that. I went up to him afterwards and I said, I have to tell you, you do not look like the guy that would be pushing, changing the way we're doing things in the football business. And he said, you know, I was, he goes, I wasn't necessarily for it or against it. I wasn't the head coach. I was working there. I adopted it. I was a good soldier. I did my part. And he said, I love it. It's changed the way I coach. I'm a better teacher. And he's, as a result, a better coach. And he said, and the, the honest truth is, if we would have uh, gotten worse because of this, it probably wouldn't have lasted. But Dartmouth got better each year. And they have, they have all kinds of numbers regarding the number of injuries plummeted. They have, they have all kinds of numbers regarding the number of missed tackles. Have, so, so there are better tacklers in game by not tackling live all week. And I've seen videos of the kids at Dartmouth talking about I, I can play all season, and for nine nine games straight, I don't have those dings. Even a high school freshman has, by Tuesday, he's kind of not feeling like himself. These Dartmouth kids are saying, yeah, I'm good. And, right. and we, we, don't have, we don't have our teammates. We don't have to reinvent our defense every week because it's the same 11, 12 guys I'm playing with. And they're not beating each other up. Exactly. It's a lot about contact hours, right? You're, starting to, you're trying to reduce the amount of time that these kids are hitting at a, at, a, at a pitch, right? And you said about the college level, they can do... I saw a different clinic like you did at those same uh, coaches' things where they had bursts. It was bursts of energy. Football's bursts of energy. So why have yourself scrimmage for 40 minutes at a time? 
kind of not that smart. So this one particular coach had a burst of energy, five or ten minute full, full tackle scrimmage, and then you're off. Then you go back to individuals, talk about what you did right, wrong, learn. Then you go back. It was just a flip-flop of what we used to always do. So I think there's different ways to start incorporating different strategies for kids to have tackle and activity, but then relax and start thinking what I did right or wrong. I have a question for you, Dr. Joe, before you look at the clock. What are you seeing and hearing in your field about the game of football? Well, I think, no surprise me, people have been worried over the last few years about significant long-term psychiatric conditions. But just the last few years, which is amazing to me. It really is just the last few years. I mean, you know, people have been watching football for a long time. They, they, They see it as a great outlet for, as Mark was saying earlier, for aggression. But it's it's not just aggression. I mean, this is a live chess game, you know, is what a lot of people really like about it. Of course, it's, it's a live chess game where people are really strategically trying to figure out how to get a ball past somebody else. But what we are seeing really are, you know, kids coming in with concussions. Maybe it's less. I, I can't say that. We now have this long-term data that shows that... Um, it was a very interesting study that they, sh- they, they compared kids uh, who had done football at the age of 12, so before the age of 12, and then in high school, and then in college, and then professional, and when they started doing football, and then tracked these folks into their 50s. And, you know, the, the data is, you know, the, the kids who started younger, more likely to have psychiatric conditions later on that people are speculating were a direct result of having early early brain trauma. I mean, people get hurt. But but it is this idea that, that we tap into this primitive part of who we are as a group. And, and this is part of what we do as human beings. We like to be in groups. We like to be social. We like to say, I'm part of something that is powerful and maybe even bigger than me. And so that's why I think there's so much of this talk about with, with football, because people love football. But we can't let other people get hurt by it. We, we, we can't ignore that the way football has been played, the way boxing has been done, the way, you know, soccer, I mean, that, that brain injuries happen. And we now want to be able to protect kids' brains. I think we were talking off air about, you know, one of the studies that, that has come out showing people in their 50s and the incidents, you know, how many folks who have played football have some sort of psychiatric condition, whether it's depression or what we call frontal lobe disinhibition, where you're, you're, you're more irrational than you should be. And they looked at when did these people start playing football. And it is crystal clear that the kids who started younger had a higher rate of having this sort of difficulty when they were older. But that's, that's not, I don't think that's heads-up football. It couldn't be heads-up football. Right. Because right. you're looking at people in their 50s, right. Right. right? And if they were 12, that means they were starting long before heads-up football. So it's going to be really interesting to see where this goes, you know, 20, 30 years from now. Well, let's talk about that, since that is the title of our show, A Snapshot of 5, 10, and 20 Years. Let's do it. Where do you guys see football maybe five years from now? How do you see the game of football being played? The NFL, for example, I read an article when I was doing my limited research on my, my show here tonight. Since 2002, the NFL has uh, modified the rules by adding 47 new safety rules probably six last year three the year before 
all for safety purposes. Do you see any more rule modifications in the next five years for the NFL? I, I mean, I think a, a big rule that they could be a little bit, I, I, I believe it's one of the rule changes when you have a uh, like an interception or and, and the guy has his head turned. Right. Right. You can't, you can't, as that's a defensive when player, get blown up. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, you can't do that. However, there's times now where the guy's head does get turned around, and all you need to do as, as a blocker is just get in their way, and we still have instances of people just absolutely laying that guy out. Right. That's an easy thing to change right. and without changing, changing. But it's hard to stop as a player, right? I, I think, well, yes and no. I mean, I think what you're saying, Jeff, too, is like, all right, in the day when the interception happens, it was headhunting season, right? I yeah, mean, that, absolutely. That, that's part of your tribal yes. mentality. Yep. You're a flip of the play like that, whether you're on either side. If you're not, if you're not looking, that's a chance to you know take a whack. I mean, mm-hmm. um, this is part of the game, right? Uh, right now, that when you start seeing that off, if it's not meant to be part of that play, you're going to get dinged for that. So that rule change is huge. And then and targeting, Mark. I mean, right. targeting is huge right now. You notice. The college players and the pros, I'll, I'll speak to college because I see it all more. Uh, you know, you get a hit in the first half, then you're down for the rest of the game, second half, that, and then the first half of the next game. So it's a full two two halves. And it's now, I mean, you're starting to look at targeting calls and say, is that going to start to change the mentality of a player on how and where and how they strike a player? Uh, okay, so what's, in, in what's the, the targeting? Okay. So, so you're going to catch the ball. And I'm going to tackle you. No, I, no. I could come around. <laughs> no. I could come up and tackle you around the around the waist. Okay. And take you to the ground, and you get no more yards. Or I could come and missile my helmet right up, right up above, anywhere above here, above the neck, to, to, above yeah. the neck to to just blow you up. Just to that's just again that's that's the violent part of it, right. and that gets a celebration, and that's exciting. Now the problem is sometimes. You know, you'll be watching a game with a friend or two, and everyone's all mad. That's not targeting. He didn't mean to do that. Well, they're not legislating or they're not refereeing intent. Right. They're refereeing the outcome. Right. They which, can improve that, would, I think. I think that would improve the. Yeah. In, in, in but the, it's a long term thing. Yes. Because if you get called for that twice, you're on a team of a, of a team that gets called for it seven times. Right. Eventually, the coach is going to be like, "Okay, guys. Right. We're, we're losing. We're losing here because of this." What about special teams? Do you <laughs> see that going away? I mean, the NFL is already fiddling with it big time. I can't, I can't imagine they're gonna. So they, 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 they move the, yep. the move the ball back, and they, they still take it up to the twenty-five. Right. And then, you know, you just watch uh, Guskowski. He's he's a master right. at landing the ball at the one to make the guys run out. Right. Because they don't want to give him the ball at the twenty-five. So that hasn't necessarily worked because right. the kickers are too good. But I mean, that's that's where. A lot of a lot of injuries. scary collisions occur. Right. right, and then uh, and then you know you take the purest part of the game. It's a three part game: offense, defense, and special teams. And that's a whole part of strategy and and the heritage of the game. That you know I'll put my own purest hat in there, saying that's if if regulated and done somewhat you know better. If there's a way to do it better, I, I believe that's a big part of the game. Yeah, I don't think he can take it out. Right, but, but it is. I mean, just this. We both went to the uh, All Star game, the eighth grade <laughs> All Star game on Sunday, and. Uh, for the for the youth league, and they don't do special teams there. They, right, they, they don't. Take, they take the ball to twenty. Yeah, because okay. why bother? These kids are right, they're the best. They're the best eighth graders in the region. And so why should they get hurt? Right. It's the end of the year. It's a it's, you know. It's like you watch the Pro Bowl. It's the same. So thing. I, my my opinion is we're going to see the end to special teams. Think so. Within the five, I I think the youth sport will see 
special teams gone in the fir- in the first five years. I think high school is going to see it in the next ten. I think NFL is going to see it very soon too. What about the youth football? What do we see in the next five and ten years for for youth? What are parents thinking? What are what what kind of uh, numbers are we going to see? Are we going to see any? Are we going to see? your rookie ball, uh, Tom, are we going to see that right up through sixth grade? I think you will. I think there's a part of that that allows, the, especially that in our league, that's that development player to do it for sure. I think I think you can see rookie ball taking over our Saturday or JV games in third, fourth, and fifth grade. Don't know about sixth. Uh, I think that's where we'll go in five years. I think if we look at it, could it be rookie ball completely in third, fourth, and fifth, and then not even uh, a regular 11-on-11 until sixth grade? Maybe. I think that could be a possibility. I think that's a, a guarantee in 10 years. Yeah. I think I think we may see even less. I think we'll see uh, flag football at, at the most through fourth grade and then a rookie kind of hybrid into uh, sixth grade, maybe even into eighth grade, especially as the brain development studies are right. becoming more exposed and, and the families are, are more and more inclined to um, read these articles and really absorb what they're saying and say, I'm not going to put my kid in, in a position that could uh, hurt them for the rest of their lives. And I think the other one there, Mark, you touched upon is contact hours. So we see that in high school now. Uh, you're definitely, I mean, you see it in, the, in college, absolutely. So my own son, there's less time to be on the field. They only can maximize so many hours on that field for coach-sponsored ta- activities. Um, and you're going to see it in high school. I mean, I know there's some high schools that are dabbling with it. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. If you can't do what you need to do, coach, in two hours and get it done, right. you shouldn't be a coach. You be a better planner. You better be a better planner. Be efficient with your time. Get those kids in and out of drills. And I think you're going to see less contact hours. We already have it at youth, but there'll be a management there. But more in high school, I think you're seeing that. And do you think then this is going to have an impact on college bowl and, and pro bowl? I do. I do. I think... Um, well, I think the NFL is their own worst enemy right now. If they don't get their act together with some of their public relations, they're losing audience, which is then going to trickle down all the way to whether or not their kid is going to play. What I'd like to do is look at the crystal ball and say, okay, 20 years from now, is the NFL what we now see boxing? I mean, you talked about boxing. Yep. I mean, boxing is viewed as completely barbaric, although this UFC type of fighting is coming up and becoming is, much more it's, popular. It's pretty tense. So what, what we're going to have to do, though, is come back in 20 years and talk <laughs> about this. We got we got a couple, we got like 15 seconds. Just real quick, te- technology. One more thing, Mark. If you yeah. watch, the, I think it's the Chiefs right now. They have these brand new helmets. I don't even know the name of them. They're testing them. I mean, think about technology, what we have nowadays. Yeah. There'll be all sorts of different things with technology, tracking, um, have better helmets. And then we can just use robots. Or we just take the helmets off. Hey, folks, thanks so much. Eight o'clock, uh, audience, thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Or, at least or on us. Sunday morning. Mark, I'm going to miss you next week. Next week, it will not be here. Oh, we'll Thank talk about guys. that later. Thank thanks you so much, much thanks folks. For having really us. appreciate it. Did he do it for love or was he just being wild? <laughs>